turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. No Lego here, it's the Day Trippers. we head enthusiastically into the first of our World Cup themed podcast which will fill the void till pre-season training commences in July on the show we'll discuss the runners and riders in the greatest show on earth which this year returns to the home of football a place where men aren't afraid to talk about erectile dysfunction Brazil how will Liverpool FC influence not just England but the World Cup in general with so many of our players taking part in the tournament we call our likely semi-finals we flag the players to watch for from some of the lesser known countries like Argentina and Germany and we discuss our first transfer as a dyed in the wool red completes the longest and unlikeliest of journeys towards finally making his debut at Anfield we also look at our likely second signing and what else we can expect now that the players taking part in the summer spectacular have left Melwood Right, first off, it's an actual LFC done deal. And no one saw this one coming in a bucket of Bank Holiday Mondays. It was always likely to be a Southampton player, but Ricky Lambert was definitely not seen by anyone. Uh, given he's a massive red and previously released by the club, this is some fairy tale, isn't it, Carl? Yes, yeah, a pretty amazing story for Lambert, all right. Um, as you say, nobody saw this one coming at all. It's something that's come out of absolutely nowhere and has done as quickly as we've probably seen a deal done over the last few years as well. Hmm. Absolutely, and for the man himself, I think there's been such a genuine reaction from fans towards him. There seems to be such a, a positive response to his just kind of raw emotion and, and, and delight at the transfer. Yeah, I think that seems to have gone up another notch today once it's been confirmed. I mean, once the rumour started, obviously, it was the usual split on the, on Twitter, on social media about whether he's good enough, whether it's too much money and all the rest of it. But I think everybody seeing his face and his uh, reactions and his comments today, I think everyone's just delighted they've got another player who's really going to fight for the team. And just an initial response to you, just a, a one or a two liner, are you gen- generally happy with it as a, as a first signing of the summer? Yeah, I am. I don't see any downside with it at all, to be honest. I yeah. mean, we know he's not going to be a, a world beater like Suarez is, but yeah, he's a good addition. Absolutely, absolutely. James, uh, your own initial response to uh, the signing of Ricky Lambert. 
Well, my initial response was um, I'd, I'd kind of been asleep for a short while in the evening, uh, such, such are the weird hours I keep, and then I woke up to see that it was very quickly. It came completely out of nowhere, you know, and folded in a matter of hours, didn't it? And it sounded like immediately it was almost a done deal, and I was delighted. Because I've certainly for as long as I've actually kind of ever watched him in the Premier League, I've I've rated him really highly. Right. Um, I'm already a little bit sick of kind of like reading about people saying, oh, you know, he's not just a target man, and you know he's actually quite good with his feet. Because I kind of think, if anything, I think, and and Carl would possibly have the numbers to to sort of corroborate this. I think if you watch Lambert and then you actually look at his output, I think. Um, it's the other way round. It's more the case that he's, he's a very cultured and very sort of, you know, a very cultured striker who's got a high creative output as well as a goal scoring output, who also happens to be six foot two and probably decent in the air and, and good with his back to goal. Because his actual, if you look at his scoring record last season, I think he got 13 goals in 30 odd appearances. I mean, some of those appearances were playing off the striker. He can play there hmm. um, when Osvaldo was in the team. But, uh, I think the thing with him is is that it, it, it's as much about what he creates because I think where Lambert will come in useful for us, I mean, I, I've long been of the opinion we, the third-choice striker for us has got to be someone who provides something a bit different. A lot of people wanted Remy, but to me, Remy would have been kind of um, an upgrade on Barini, positionally flexible, but kind of quite one-dimensional, just scores goals. Um, and you know that's fair enough, but I think in the case of Lambert, you know you're paying four million pounds and thirty grand a week. We don't lose anything if he do, if it doesn't if he doesn't turn out to kind of like quite be able to make the step up. But you know it won't be for the want to try him because it's his dream come true, and that itself could be a good thing for the squad because you're not going to get someone like if we've gone and got Bonnie, who I quite rated. He he might have not been too happy about not not starting you know thirty forty games a season. And then the other thing as well I was going to say with Lambert is basically that. What we, I felt we needed something different and what, what Lambert will actually provide is just the space he will create for people and if you look at his, his output for kind of key, key passes and that kind of thing and chance creation that it's outstanding now he's normally going to have one of Suarez and Sturridge playing up there so that's either the first you know the probably the best striker in the league and you know uh, uh, maybe even the third best striker in the league alongside him then Sterling who gets quite a few goals now then Henderson who's got the potential to add that to his game potentially if we bring in Lallana from Southampton as well there's another player that's got a decent goal record so I think it makes a lot of sense in that he, he does offer something different but not so much as a pure kind of battering ram as a kind of a player that just creates very very well in the final third Absolutely. Uh, Neil, yourself, just to get your own immediate feedback to it, is it a transfer that you're happy with? And what do you see that this guy's going to add to the team? Well, I suppose, just to carry on from what Carl was saying, I'm sorry, for James, what James is saying, the first thing that springs to mind with me is versatility. He seems to be Roger's first part of call in any transfer. He seems to want versatility with all his signings. Hmm. Um, I suppose the most refreshing thing about it in relation to transfers and the way football has gone, it's... There was no mention, there was, from Ricky, Ricky Lambert's side, there was no mention of money or transfer fee or wages or anything like that. He just wanted to sign for Liverpool. There was no uncertainty whatsoever involved. And at the, the, I suppose the rate that the transfer happened is, is testament to that. And it's very, it's, for me, it's very refreshing to see someone that genuinely wants to play for Liverpool. And the uh, finances were second, which is... I'd say, I'd say as nearly as... It's probably a once-off now. It's very rare anyway. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Phil... Your own initial response, and maybe you could lead us into talking about the player himself, the fact that he's not a traditional target man, despite the fact that that's the impression that's out there among some people, and that he is a man of uh, some considerable quality for the price we're getting. Yeah, um, look, four million quid, a guy who's scored 28 goals in his last two seasons in the Premiership, um, he's, who's going to come and knows himself arriving that the men in front of him are Sturridge and Suarez he's not going to expect to demand the force team place as he comes in the door but what he's going to give is the, uh, I keep when I keep thinking back I keep thinking to the Bellamy transfer uh, mm. when, when Kenny was in 
and the, the the passion and the desire and the will to just to do well for wearing the red jersey. Yeah. Like it, 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 it's above nearly everything. Like you could see the embroidered joy the chap had in his interview. You can see it in the pictures. He's bursting. Like he's just bursting. Even the one where Sky Sports caught him at the at the the airport and he couldn't talk about it. Right. And you could just see like he was rubbing the face. He was rubbing. He, he, he wanted to tell the world how much this, yeah. how, how brilliant mm-hmm. this was. And as a story, I, I was just I was saying to my missus who, who who absolutely despises football and couldn't care less, right? And mm. I was saying to her, I was explaining to her like this fella, you know, was released when he was seventeen by Liverpool. You know, he's he spent fifteen years more or less trying to get back to the top level, managed to get there with Southampton, and has now come back to the club that he supported as a boy and still supports as such. He's still a massive red. I said all that's missing now is the the penalty to win the Champions League final in extra time next year <laughs> in Berlin because in, in reality this is the type of fairy film you know plot that you have it's 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 been down in the dumps and then suddenly walking your way back right to the top it's it's got all it's got everything that you'd need to actually make a great film out of it the player himself uh, James has covered most of it look the, he's not a traditional target man he he looks like a traditional target man but there's more to him than just that and the the one credit to him is every time he's gone up a league or stepped up a, a, to a different team or a better team that that he'd seen He's progressed as a player, even as as he matured in years. He's progressed as a player himself, and he does score goals. And anyone like we're going to have forty eight odd games next season between Champions League and between the the league itself and various cup matches. And we're going to need fellas who can come in for league matches, who you know, can cover when. And we know storage is, is is a bit is a bit um, you know tender when it comes to injuries and picks them up and will miss 10, 12 games over the course of next season. And we need somebody that we can rely on that can come in and score goals and also give us something else um, when things aren't necessarily going our way in the pitch. Again, like like if 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 a Chelsea or something comes and parks the bus and we're basically have a seven man attack going against Chelsea, what he can do is he can hold the ball. When that ball goes in there, it doesn't keep bouncing back. Or if we put a ball into the box, you've got the he has the aerial ability to get on the end of it, but that isn't his prime focus. He can create things, he can make other things happen for for the likes of Swarage and Sturridge buzzing around him. And he fits into the squad. And I, I said this two weeks ago, and I said it again last week. We have to not be afraid of signing players because we need a squad next season. Mm-hmm. We need we need 18, 19 capable first team players and players who will be able to interchange and come in and go out and come in and go out um, and not be bogged down the idea that we have a forced 11 and that's our forced 11 and then the lads on the bench yeah they can come in and do a job whenever but you know it's not it can't be an 11 it has to be at least 16, 17 for the amount of trophies amount of trophies that we're going to go for and also to retain our challenging status or even to challenge again to win the league we will need at least 19, 20 players because you're going to have injuries you're going to have other things to happen over the course of the season and Ricky Lambert for 4 million quid at 32 is a fantastic sign in my book Yeah, Carl maybe to, to, to finish this out so that we just get a, a, a more rounded picture of what, what we're getting here for for uh for our money and uh, into the squad um, you're talking about a guy who was with Blackpool Macclesfield Stockport Rochdale Bristol uh, up as far as I think 2009 before he moved to Southampton um, but his figures since then have been pretty impressive I mean this is going to be our third striker our third choice striker but with the with Dan, Daniel Sturridge and his likely likelihood to be in, injured he's he's going to get a game or two what kind of what kind of uh, stats can you provide for us uh, based on, on on what he's done so far well I mean the thing with Lambert is that positionally he's he seems to be He's, he's quite similar to Daniel Sturridge in a way in that he does play through the middle and he leads the line and all that, but he'll drop off, he'll drop into the channels, he'll come deep into midfield to pick up the ball. Sturridge does that an awful lot for Liverpool mm. and that gets overlooked a little bit at times. 
Um, where he's different to Sturridge is that Sturridge will then, he'll just move it forward a few yards or he'll try a dribble and a shot from a long range or whatever it is. Lambert will wait for the, uh, another player to move in from the flanks or from the second line of attack to take that space that he's left. Yeah. And that's where his creativity comes into play an awful lot. He's, he's a little bit in the way of like a, a mix of Suarez and Sturridge, obviously not to the levels that those two uh, reached last season, but he's a bit, of, a bit of the two of them. I mean, you look at his, his chances last season, he created uh, 50, 52 or 54 chances, I think it was, last season, which is somewhere in the middle of Raheem Sterling, Jordan Henderson, if you want to compare it to the Liverpool players. I mean, you add in a third choice forward with better players around him, with better movement. You know, he had the likes of Dani Osvaldo, who didn't really settle last year. Jay Rodriguez went through a four or five uh, month spell of being very good, but either side of that obviously had his injury and he wasn't quite up on top of his game. He's got better players around him now at Liverpool. So even if he's not going to be playing every single game, he's still going to be creating an awful lot of chances. He's going to have better people around him to to play off his through balls, which are very, very good. Um, We talk about him as being... Uh, a bit of a target man as well, but not just that. Well, he, Ricky Lambert, in terms of the aerial duels that he won last season, was pretty much exactly the same as Luis Suarez. Whether you want to say that that's a little bit to do with the balls that were coming towards him or the fact that he was up against defenders who were specifically targeting him because they thought he was very good in the air as well, obviously that that's a matter of context. Yeah. Um, but he is someone who's going to offer Liverpool the chance to do both of those things. And the other thing is that you say he did play off the front man a couple of times last season, especially when they had, uh, or when they were trying to integrate Osvaldo into the side last season at the beginning. Um, Lambert can play through the middle, obviously in a one or a two for Liverpool. We could see Suarez and Sturridge flanking him, or he can partner either one of those two. And the idea, really, for a third forward, you would hope anyway, is that to not have Daniel Sturridge injured as much as he was, yeah. because we'll be able to take him out, we'll be able to rest him for the last 20 minutes of matches when he sometimes picked up injuries, mm-hmm. we'll be able to leave him out for cup games where he's previously played League Cup, Premier League, League Cup, Premier League, and hopefully that extra time to recuperate for Sturridge is going to leave him fit for the big games for the Champions League and everything else, and we won't have to rely on the third striker or such coming into the team because he has to, but rather because we can change them. Yeah, it's a very, very good point, actually. I suppose moving from someone who's going to be hopefully flexible and in fitting with what Brendan seems to want from players these days to someone who's a little bit more of a specialist and has been linked very, very heavily with the club to the point that an awful lot of people are reckoning it's it's almost uh, a certain type of uh, deal. And that's uh, Mr. Moreno. Um, Neil, have you any information for us on this guy? Well, what I can say about him, is well for me before Liverpool make any sign for any defensive signings. The prerequisite for every defender is that you can defend, mm. and he seems to be a very good defender. Of course, we don't see as much as the Spanish league as we do the English league. But however, having said that, um, he's excellent in possession. He's a great first touch, and he's excellent going forward. And he seems to be a very good defender too. So he seems to have all the ingredients. Um, at twenty one though. At 21, and for, I suppose, it's around 20 million, I think, is a transfer fee. It's hard, as Euros has been talked about. Mm. Um, for Personally, if you're spending 20 million euros on a defender, I think you should be buying the finished article and not buying potential so much. Mm. Now, at, 20, at 21, he is by no way the finished article. So you're, you're going to have to allow him a betting in period at Liverpool. If he does sign and you're probably going to, and if he doesn't have a good game, I suppose what the feedback might be or he needs six months to settle in whereas I don't think we can allow we haven't the time for anybody to allow them to settle in so mm. not, know, not knowing 
as much as I'd like to know about him. He seems to have certainly have all the ingredients. Been playing at a top club, and Real Madrid seem to be interested as well. So, and Liverpool. So, I suppose that speaks volumes in itself. Yeah. Having said that, I prefer us to sign somebody who was better known, not not necessarily better known for the sake of it, but somebody who's won championships elsewhere, has been part of a winning team and knows what it needs in the final stages of the season to get it across the line, which, I, from my opinion, fullbacks Glenn Johnson let us down massively towards the end of last season. He has, he's a winner. He has 50 caps and he didn't do the business. So I think we should be bringing in players who are the finished article, particularly for that amount of money. Having said that, Mourinho has all the attributes to be, the, to be a top fullback. Fair point. Fair point. Carl? Uh, yeah, just on that point, I mean, you talk about the finished article, which is fair enough. Everybody wants people who can come in and contribute to the team now. And we do definitely need to improve the team right now from the first game. You're right there. But who? You know, there are not a lot of good attacking left backs around other than who are already at, say, Real Madrid or Barcelona or whoever. I mean. And he was, clo- he was close to travelling with Spain, wasn't he? I mean, he, he's, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I mean, he played just the other night against um, uh, Bolivia, I think it was. Um, and he, you know, he had a good game. And if not for Atbilicueta having played right and left side this season, I'm pretty sure he would have gone. But now, because uh, he's covering both sides of defence, it's allowed them not to have to take a full four fullbacks. Um, but um, with regards to left backs elsewhere, I mean, you know, you, or not just left backs, but fullbacks on both sides, we've we've got one who's supposed to be the complete package already. He's experienced with the international caps, with the name and with the big price tag. And as you say, Glenn Johnson was a load of rubbish last season. <laughs> you know? yeah. We can go out and we can buy a, a name who's who's won a uh, Premier League title, who's or in a different league, you know, and they've been around for another five years on top of what Moreno's got already. It's not going to make them any better necessarily. There are not that many very, very good ones around. And if you look at the prices that you're being quoted for the likes of Luke Shaw, who obviously is even younger than Moreno, um, I, I don't think it's a bad investment at all. And haven't seen him you know, quite a lot for Sevilla, obviously, this season. I, I don't really have any doubts about him being worth it over the, the next two or three years. I suppose, Carl, my, my only take on this, and it's rare that this happens, is that you've got the likes of Ashley Cole, who's available on a free transfer. And I think some people will, will sort of gravitate towards the idea that, you know, where we lose, where we gain on a transfer fee, you'd happily pay over the wages for someone like Ashley Cole. Now, again, we're back to an issue similar to Sturridge, that if you do go for Ashley Cole, his fitness record hasn't been great over the last four or five years in, in, in terms of missing games. And then you're back to a position where I suppose you're playing John Flanagan out of position. I've had a look at Moreno as well in, in that way. I, I, I think, Neil, now, for me, I think Moreno is more... more um, uh, finished in the attacking form of the fullback as opposed to defensive form and that's the one bit that he'll have to work on when he comes in and it, a lot of people are saying potentially it's the way that Seville had set up in terms of how attacking and how high up the pitch he wanted him to play but that's on, not unlike what we're talking about the way Brendan wants his fullbacks to play and there's, there's a part of me that's thinking that if we bring in Moreno to play on the left hand side and play, and he's going to play as a very attacking fullback that we're potentially looking at maybe more a more defensive right back so that effectively if you have somebody like Wisdom or Flanagan coming in they won't bomb on as much down the right hand side of the pitch and will probably could potentially fill in that gap alongside Gerard or something you know that space when in true transition because they're not going to be as high up the actual pitch um I do have my, the same concerns around the transfer fee the only name that 
I was thinking that sort of meets the qualifications that that Carl was t- talking about in terms of who's out there that has w- that's actually gone now and won a championship and has pl- performed under pressure and and in a way has performed where you know teams have been suffering with with a supposed jinx is Sequeira at Benfica who we were linked with previously um, and there's talk that the Benfica haven't made a good enough offer to sign Sequeira on on a, on a permanent deal and it was interesting that 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 sort I, I saw that link um, yeah I think it was linked. I think that story broke in a, a, a Ebola, the the Portuguese newspaper, and it was sort of it was retweeted, etc. Last night when it was floating around, and you just wonder if the, the rumours then of Moreno potentially going to Real Madrid because he has. Carl, am I right in thinking? Has, well, he was quoted at one stage that um, Moreno said that he'd prefer to wait for Real Madrid if there was if there was talk of them actually coming in from. Um, I, th- I don't think it was him himself. Uh, right. He said all along that he, you know until the World Cup squad was sorted, he wasn't saying anything about mm. his future one way or the other. That's all he was concentrating on. But yeah, of course, like with Suarez's lawyer and everybody else who wants a bit of money at this time of year, yeah, there's been talk from his solicitors and his yeah. agents and everything about the bigger money, the bigger clubs. Yeah, yeah. And so, look, in, in reality, to me, there's only two potential options um, that are different to. Moreno in terms of experience wise etc that's there that we know that are available and that we potentially interested in the only other name that's been that's been thrown in the ring that would fit the profile etc would have been Ricardo Rodriguez at Wolfsburg but I think you're talking the same money if you had been going in for him at the same time so to me it's it's one or the other and we've gone for Moreno they seem to put all the eggs in the basket if, if that's the fullback the type it's the attacking football fullback that we we always put with a Brendan Rodgers side then look I'm, I'm all for it it, it, it it says to me that we have money to spend which is great which is great you seem to be talking yourself into a, a, a a duo of um, flannel on his more natural right side, and 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 the new kid Moreno, um, and squeezing out for Glenn job. Is that what you, that's what you basically look at. You, one can always dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dreaming, Steve Brown, and well, welcome to the bunker, hey, brother. Uh, <laughs> a Shakiri. Yeah. Talk to me about Shakiri. It's it's In my opinion, um, and I know Phil agrees. With me, uh, we should be going for Shakiri ahead of Lalana all day long. Mm. Like I, the prices that are rumored to be quoted, and I was on, looking at Twitter there on the way up, and Southampton now want thirty million for Lalana. Like we should literally just walk away from that. There shouldn't even be another negotiation. Mm. Thirty million quid for Lalana is ridiculous. For that money, you'd be looking at someone like Fabregas, not Lalana. Um, but going back to Shakiri, Shakiri can play both sides. Plays number ten. He does it all, and. He's just he's been a lucky at Bayern Munich. Like when he left Bar, there was I know there was a lot of talk about where he should go and he I think it was always kinda of his dream to go and play with Bayern at that stage. And it just hasn't worked out purely because they've re re and Robin hmm. playing either side of a number nine. Um which Akiri could fit into our team in a number of positions. Like he could he's genuine well seeing the World Cup, like I believe he's gonna be one of the stars of the World Cup. I think Switzerland have an excellent side. Yeah. And he's the main man for Switzerland. I really I I look for a quote on him if they're looking for fifteen million, which is half what Southampton are looking for. Lallana, it's a no-brainer. Like. Yeah, James, it's it's fair enough point that Steve makes there is that like not getting in uh, on a regular basis to the Bayern Munich team, which just kind of reminds me of the of the AC Milan of, of around nineteen ninety year where they just bought all the players. Uh, it's not exactly much. Buy all the players. Buy all the players. Yeah. It's it's it, it, it's it's not exactly a, a criticism. So would he be a guy that you'd be excited to see coming towards Anfield? Is that Shakiri? Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I was. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw him more at Basel, to be honest. But mm. when when you when you saw him at Basel in the Champions League games, he's very, very impressive. You know, very quick feet, very fast. You know, basically, and it's such a simplistic thing to say, but a player who you know 
clearly had the capacity to make things happen. And funnily enough, before I came on, I was just reading a, a thing on that StatsBomb website um, comparing Lallana and Shakiri. And it's kind of apples and oranges, really, because I think Lallana is kind of a midfielder. You know, Shakiri is sort of a, you know, kind of a wide forward. Um, he's more of an attacker. But Shakiri's sort of numbers for a player of 22 um, are, you know, very, very impressive. You know, he's, he's, he's very good at more or less everything in attacking terms. And I think the thing with a player of about that age, and I think, you know, Can uh, uh, or Jano, how you pronounce it, would be another if we got him, and Moreno would be another. They may be big fees to pay, particularly, well, certainly in the case of Moreno, which looks like it may even be the next one that happens. But you're buying players at the age of between 20 and 22. It's a very good age to buy. I mean, we saw this with Henderson. If you find a good one, it's great because, you know, if, if, if the club's, you know, if, if the player proves to be very good and the club is actually successful enough otherwise to actually for the player to be happy to stay where they are, you know, you, you might have them for 10 seasons. Um, and if they're not that, you know, if they're not that great, they've still got a certain amount of resale value. You know, you make a loss, but you know, another club might think, well, look, didn't work out from there, but they proved before they got there that they were decent. You're buying a player at 20 to 22, 23. They've already shown that they can come through probably the, possibly the most difficult thing where some players fall by the wayside, which is making the step up from kind of youth level and sort of development level football to senior football. And they've already shown some of what they can do. And what they've shown is what they might be able to do in the future. You're buying them sometimes for big fees, but you're buying them in an age where the resale value is pretty good, whatever happens. And, but there's there's the, the excitement of what they might go on to do and be be capable of, particularly when we've obviously got a manager who's shown himself to be very good at improving the uh, you know players. Yeah, very very fair. Um, a point that uh, another point that Steve made there, Neil, is uh, that the deal with Lalana, the reported deal with Lalana, and of course we're dealing rumours at this stage. Seems to have uh, many uh, rumours. So many, so many, and they're all so vague. But the the numbers seem to be consistent enough that are being thrown out here. Would you be of this school of thought that says walk away from uh, a thirty million deal for that kid? No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. Simply no. And I think there. I think we, um, as supporters and Liverpool supporters and followers, I think we're concerning ourselves a little bit too much with price tags. Mm. Um. The targets have been identified by the club and they know, I'm sure Liverpool are aware how possibly high the transfer fee could possibly go. I mean, mm-hmm. if we want to compete at, at a high level on all fronts, not like we did last season just in the league, we want to compete everywhere. We're going to have to pay a premium for players because firstly, throughout the footballing world, everybody knows the, uh, we have the Champions League money and we have the increased TV money in England, so we're going to pay a premium for any player we want to sign. Mm. Um and we just say to identify our targets and go and get them because if you remember in the last transfer window there around Christmas time people were saying why don't we just pay the money and go and get them for the Conor Plianca deal for example just mm. pay the money and go and get them but this time people are more apprehensive saying hold on to the money and don't be spending so much mm. I think we get caught up in all that too much identify your targets and go and pay whatever he costs if we if Rogers and the committee I'll do the inverted commas thing with your fingers there yeah good if that they, works well yeah great that's how it helps <laughs> No, the point I'm making is if we, if if they see he's what we need and that's how much he's going to cost, just go and get him and don't get caught up so much in transfer fees. Because well, does this, this, yeah. this, this, this stems though from uh, from 11, doesn't it? This stems from Andy Carroll, Stuart Downing. You're badly damaged by that, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot find a Liverpool fan who's not badly damaged by, by particularly Stuart Downing. What about the point, that, what, what, what about the point that, that, no, that, that Neil's making there about the, it's the not general, our money? No, the general point is fine, right? Yeah. And I completely agree. If, 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 the, if, if we identify a transfer target and, we're, and that's who we want, Want, 
mm-hmm. and we go all in, then we have to be prepared to go. But there, there has to be a, a cap at some point that... And you'd imagine, and, and look, we, we discussed the committee last week, but you know, you're talking about lads who are paid to make these decisions, right? And I don't for one second believe that they will go in and say, right, we're going. It, it's not like they're bidding for a house and they're getting carried away with the auction here. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, there's, 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 there's talk that's been floating around that you know, the, the, a lot of this is, is shadow boxing effectively, that the Southampton board want to look like that they've getting a good deal out of this and they're pushing it. And if you remember, go back to about three or four weeks before the season ended. And there was talk that a £25 million deal had already been agreed. Now, for all intents and purposes, it looks like we're going to end up at a £25 million figure if we're going to sign Lallana, right? Mm. But there's all that other stuff that's going on with Southampton in terms of losing the manager. They've already sold Ricky Lambert. They need to look like that they've got the best deal possible for Southampton out of this. Mm. Um, for the fans' sake, if you know, you know, to, to save some face. Because if, if well, there appears to be a bit of a fire sale that's, that's happening at Southampton this summer with Pochettino. Hence the statement today where they're saying yeah. we have a preference not to do deals till the new manager's in place but if it's right for the club exactly. which is just exactly you know. and I think now that's aside to well how does security play how does security in terms of value terms rate to Lalana? Mm. you know you can have these discussions separately they aren't tied up in one you're allowed to think that Lalana is a good player but you don't necessarily think he's a twenty-five million pound player, you yeah. know. You, that, that's where the reservation will stem from. If we were talking, you know, the difference between fifteen and a seventeen million pound bid, and 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 Southampton wanted seventeen or eighteen million, mm. I don't think I'd have a, have an issue in terms of that. I just feel at twenty-five million, and it's a bit back to what we talked about the Moreno thing, right? I, I just think that at twenty-five million, you, you should be buying something close to a superstar. Yeah, you know, um, mm. in, in, in that's for twenty-two and a half million. I know it was for Suarez was a bargain at the time. Yeah, but there was, there was also baggage with Suarez. There was he baggage, did come yeah. a big baggage, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that's where the apprehension comes from. We're a bit, we're a bit damaged with the, with the, um, the, the Carroll and the Downing thing, right? But look, across, look up the the, the, the M sixty-two to to Manchester, right? And look at the, when they signed Veron, who was a flop for them, right? And it looked like he was a world-class player coming in into that side. He was at the time. They, they, they spunked acres of money on Nani and Anderson when they signed them as well right? you'd, hardly, you'd hardly say now you know, out of them Nani's been good at best in, 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 in his things but they didn't sign world class players nonetheless Phil all those players that they did sign for those inflated prices they did win the league more often than not yeah, with I, I know, squad, so. but that, 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 that's my general point Neil when, mm. when you get to a stage where you want to challenge for, for you're, 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 you're fishing in a bigger barrel at this stage and you're also fishing with, with heavier line and a bigger rod really you know what Jeez, I mean that's a fucking wonderful metaphor I, I'm going to finish on that <laughs> that is fucking beautiful <laughs> I'm so happy with that ok let's move on talk a little bit about the World Cup yes. which is basically uh, what's going to be driving us through the next few weeks while we're waiting for our pre-season to start. Um, Carl, Brazil, home of football, five times World Cup winners. This tournament's probably likely to go right off for a number of reasons, isn't it? Yeah, I think Well, ever, ever since it was uh, announced that Brazil were going to hold it this time, I think everyone's been waiting for it and looking forward to it. Certainly every single player that you hear do an interview says, oh, you know, playing in Brazil of all places, this is the one we want to take part in. Yeah. So with that and the football, and then you've got the backdrop of obviously a bit of social unrest around the place as well. Um, it's just, this you can't miss any of it. I mean, really, the football, everything that goes around at the stadiums, the nonsense of FIFA, the yeah. whole lot of it combined is, is going to be amazing. Yeah, and even, even the downside, as it seems at the moment, compared to the potential absolute clusterfucks that are ahead of us in the next uh, two World Cups, the way they've lined them up at the moment, people are going to absolutely savour this, aren't they? It it being in a proper football nation um, and full for the most part of people who really want to see the the, the teams play. Um, Neil, 
would you have any concept what you think is going to be Liverpool's star man at this tournament? I suppose the obvious answer for everybody is Suarez, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously. Well, that's if he's fit. Mm. We don't know whether he's going to be fit or not. Now, all the noise is coming from Uruguay. I mean, he's going to be fit, but I suppose they that would be, remains yeah. to be yeah. seen. I suppose, looking at it a little bit closer to home, if the potential... St- well, after Sturridge's goal the other night against Peru, he has all the, he has all the potential in the world. Mm. If England go a long way in the tournament... He's going to possibly going to be their star man because he's going to score the majority of the goals they score because Rooney doesn't seem to be in form at the minute. And I suppose allied to that as well is just thinking of the Liverpool connection. He has Sterling. I know he didn't start the other night, but it's, he, when he came on, he made enough of a difference to suggest he should start. Yeah. So from the Liverpool end of things, depending on who they sign before the World Cup as well, it has to be. We have to. Wait this is see. a very good point. But I suppose initially. Suarez and storage potentially. Very nice. James, for you, who would be the guys to look out for from a Liverpool perspective who might shine at this World Cup? Yeah, I mean, Suarez is very obvious. So in terms of someone who can kind of really announce themselves, it is hard to look past uh, Sterling and Sturridge um, because, you know, Sturridge is kind of, you know, Sturridge is in a Subway advert now and he's kind of... Uh, <laughs> well, he's made it so. <laughs> what I'm saying is he's starting to get the recognition, I mean, yeah, recognition is measured in, in you know, in adverts for, for you know, for takeaways. Yeah, uh, chicken takeaway as well. Sturridge, is, he's starting to kind of be recognised as kind of the main man now. He's England's number nine, isn't he? Yeah. And it comes at a time where Rooney's been looked at going into a tournament with a sort of a sense of, well, if Rooney doesn't do it at this international tournament, he'll never have done it at once since he was 18. And, you know... People are even asking, is it worth building the team around Rooney? Because you, you kind of have to do that if you're going to play both Rooney and Sturridge. You have to kind of build it around Rooney. Is it worth doing that when the guy's not put, performed at the tournament? OK, injuries, but a lot of the time, the reason he's not been fit for the tournament is because he's not the, you know, the greatest athlete or the greatest professional when it comes to getting over those injuries. So you wonder. Um, but I mean, Sturridge, yeah, for that reason, it, he's just starting to get that bit of recognition domestically as kind of England's you know, main man in terms of goals. And he's scored 21 goals in the Premier League and all that kind of thing. Uh, but obviously, he's he's not played the great. He's not, well, he's not played European football for Liverpool. He's he's only recently come into the, the fray really regularly for England. So certainly, Sturridge, Sterling has obviously impressed anybody who would have watched the Premier League. But in a wider sense, again, he's he's pretty new. I would say those two ahead of Henderson just by virtue of the fact they're attackers. You know, attackers score goals. Attackers, you know, uh, you know, set goals up. That they um, they they get the attention. Yeah. You know, Henderson could well impress people there, but I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to look past those two because I think most of our players at the World Cup are the England players and Suarez, aren't they? You know, there's not too many others that have gone either because they've been left out of you know the Brazil squad, Lucas and Coutinho, or played for countries that haven't got there. I mean, Sacco's another one, but yeah, again, same thing. You know, attackers wow. tend to get attention, don't they? That's a, that's a, that's a very good point, Steve Brown. I could see you kind of uh, leaning in when Sacco was mentioned. Yeah. Is that a guy you think might show well? I'm intrigued to see how Sacco gets on. Um, we've, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of Sacco um, in a Liverpool jersey this season obviously the season was interrupted a lot with injuries and form and so on so I think it'd be very interesting to see who or how, sorry, how he gets on playing with France um, he's the main man at the centre of France defence apparently mm. so be interested to see how if he can make that step up next season into a Liverpool jersey as being the main man because I think last season it was always Skirtle was the number one it was someone partnering Skirtle um, so I'd like to see hopefully Sacco is the number one choice next season and someone coming in to partner Sacco rather than mm. Skirtle so be intri- I'm intrigued to see how he'll get on and um, he was pretty central in fairness to them getting there in the first place he scored the two yeah, goals against yeah. uh, Ukraine and the 
in the playoff to, yeah. but they were was it 2-0 down 1-0 one or 2-0 one or down after the first leg mm. and he scored twice in Paris so he will be, uh, he will be integral to any hope that France have but yeah. France could just blow up it's after the first game like it's just very true know. very true um, He's been their captain as well in the uh, in the warm-up yeah. games. There. Yeah, yeah, so. uh, yeah. They they seem to see a little bit more perhaps in him than than has been seen and being recognised just yet. At Liverpool, I think. Carl, is there anyone that stands out for you apart from the obvious names that we've mentioned? Um, no, I think uh, it's going to be Raheem Sterling. To be honest, yeah, uh, I think he can probably going to have some sort of uh, tournament along the lines that Michael Owen did back when he first made the grade. I think he'll start off as sub. He'll have a big impact off the bench he'll earn himself a starting spot and he'll go on to be the, the main man Yeah, yeah. That's... Um, whether that means England actually do anything or not remains to be seen but if they do it's you know on account of us having all the players then uh, it's a good chance that someone from Liverpool will do well <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool are going to win the World Cup Liverpool yeah. <laughs> they, uh, on, on Sterling yeah. the one thing that Sterling has uh, going into this um, is that he did play in the under 17 World Cup in Mexico a couple of years back so he's used to he'd be more like he's played in in this type of temperature zone um, in a tor- in tournament football and he set that tournament alight as well he was England's top player in, in that actual tournament so for me like he's, he's already got the grounding and the training to come in and, and, and take the world stage in, in this type of tournament format um, Sacco yeah I, I think like again Sacco plays the way he naturally plays um, when he was at PSG in terms of he's aggressive in, in his attacking and, and funnily enough I think France are potential dark horses um, for because they've a decent enough defence they've got a strong midfield and if Benzema is on fire he can score goals uh, the, the problem you have is that they've, they've suffered with um, infighting as we know through the things um, and I don't know it, 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 it's looking at it you know the, <laughs> there's plenty of potential stars in the England team who are Liverpool players um, Gerrard going into his, his final tournament could set the world afire in the same way Pirlo did um, in the European Championships you know this this is his, his last chance in a, in a real sense to do something here and make his mark and as, as England captain going into this oh, well, yeah. let, let, Look you've, you've already sort of half done a sneaky segue into the next bit so let's leave Hodgie's Ingerpool to one side there <laughs> and let's, <laughs> let's move on to Ingerpoolton <laughs> who you think might be South Inger You've mentioned France there as a potential dark horse. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the obvious ones, I think everyone's predicting Brazil, Argentina, Germany, Spain for the for the for the, the last four. Who do you see? Um, I, I, you know, the, if you go if if you go on on the the likelihood of how many European teams have managed to win a World Cup outside of Europe? Yeah, right. Yeah. the The whole thing is is that like it's against a European team winning this actual tournament. Just the you know the, the history and the stats and all back it up. So I then you're looking at okay, who's likely to win it out of South America if it's not Argentina or Brazil? Um, and arguably Colombia are, are, are the best position team of, of of all the South American teams outside the, the big two. They've got they've got a reasonably good defence. They've got um, your Juan Fernando Quintero, the, the the kid who's who's meant who's expected to set the world alight. They've also got James Rodriguez, who hasn't had a great season at Monaco this year, but he had played incredibly well for Porto beforehand and done well. Their one issue is that Falcao, I think, is now out of the squad. There was talk of it this even, I, I didn't see the final hasn't been announced for I, I think he's missing out because of the ACL however in Jackson Martinez yeah. in reserve they have another player who can score a lot of goals um, the, you know anyone think you've been writing about these guys lately I haven't I have no that's good I'm fucking well impressed with that so well impressed I, with I just that. they have the firepower defend uh, look I think every team in this in this tournament bar Italy 
are questionable defensively. So it, I think it's again, it, it's gonna it's gonna boil down to, you know, can can a European team overcome the odds and actually put you know go on to, to lift the trophy? Outside of that, it's 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 down to those three, in my opinion. Okay, uh, Steve, you, you're a man of those World Cup as well. Tell, yes. tell me tell me things about dark horses and potentials. Um, Colombia are my dark horse. For, uh, be looking at it for couple of weeks now it all depends Like it actually doesn't depend as much on Falcao um, people seem to think if Falcao doesn't play we, we just did this yeah I know because <laughs> read my piece and fucking <laughs> wrong, like, um, you read, read your piece <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at his piece I'm looking at his piece again <laughs> yeah, can we put our pieces away please thanks anyway um, go ahead no it's I can't see it being a World Cup of many dark horses many shocks um, I think it's going to pretty much go to form yeah Um as I said, quarterfinals maybe you'll get one or two, but up to the semi-finals, it's going to be. I think it's going to be Brazil, Argentina, Germany. So I can see Spain getting knocked out early. So you, you can't you can't see past the obvious, the big the big shots. Not to win. Okay, no. fair enough. Uh, James, your own shed for um, who you think might be outsiders or possible uh, uh, likely candidates to upset. Um, I think Steve said it well. Really, it, it doesn't really look like much of a. Um a tournament for the dark horse because I think um, a- anyone in Europe who's not con- considered, you know, sort of strong enough to be going there as one of the favourites, anyway, is probably going to have that kind of that slight disadvantage of playing on, you know, playing in South America and depending on where the fixtures fall, altitude, you know, heat and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I think the, the other factor is that the other the other kind of factor is that I think two of the teams that a lot of people would look at as well they've got really good squads on paper are Colombia and Belgium. Well, neither have been to a World Cup in a long time. I think I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm right in saying I think Belgium were at 2002, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think Colombia haven't been there since '98. So you've got generations of players who've not been to World Cups, and I just wonder whether that kind of might make it a bit more difficult for them to actually really put put something together. Then again, you know. That might have been said about Turkey in 2002 and they got to the semi-finals then, you know, and so did South Korea. But then that was just a, a very, very weird tournament anyway. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, th- I think Argentina look a good bet because I think, you know, a lot of pressure on Brazil, whether the, the, the adverse atmosphere with some of the political stuff might not be the, you know, the, the best thing for them. I'm not sure. Probably won't really, probably won't filter into the stadium, but... Tim Vickery, who's you know, would have his finger on the pulse with South American football, always gives the impression that they will be quite a fickle crowd. And this isn't, you know, on paper the most outstandingly talented Brazil team. It's it's probably be a bit of a crushing machine, really. Yeah. And I think they could, depending. I mean, to be honest, if you if you if you're Brazil, you might be hoping for the fact that Spain struggle in their group because you could end, you know, struggle to the extent that they they end up in a shot knockout because that would be a difficult opponent to play. But then again. They, they battered Spain in the Confederations Cup, didn't they? So Argentina, I think, would be one because. Uh, Messi had a big mid-season break. There's not the kind of the, the, the Tevez-Messi dynamic there. Those two not really working that well together. They've got a very good team on paper, if, if not as good defensively at the other end. You just wonder, and I think that their kind of their run, their potential run is a bit more favourable. You wonder whether it's a turn, you know, Messi's never really done it for Argentina the same as he has for Barcelona. Yeah, I, I, I might be the time. You wonder whether it might be the time, but dark horses, it's hard to see. I think. Yeah, I, I have to. I'd have to roll in behind you there. I think I'd have a strong fancy for Argentina myself. Carl, finish this out with your thoughts about who you think might be possible uh, dark horses, and then if you might, you might move on to who you think might be some surprise players of the tournament outside of Liverpool uh, connections altogether. All right. Well, I mean, dark horses. Are, you know, we've well covered that. I think uh, Colombia are probably the only 
not one of the first four favourites who have reasonably got a good chance. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think uh, you know people like Holland are even going to get past their group, to be honest. I think uh, Chile will probably get through there ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Spain, I don't think Spain will go out maybe as early as, as was saying here, but I do think Germany might do that. Um, I can see Germany not doing as well as everybody thinks they're going to do at all, to be honest. Right, right. right. The Interesting. The very bad for Germany, aren't they? I think the fixtures, they're playing in, in uh, difficult climates, I think, a lot, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're struggling um, with the squad as well, aren't they, Carl? Like, if you look at Kadira, who, who you'd imagine would have started... He made the squad. In, I know he made the squad, yeah. but like, he's, he's, he's not back in the form at all. Yeah. So moving, moving along then, Carl, uh, who's going to be possible... You know, Poborskis or Salif Jays of this tournament, fellas, they're going to make a breakthrough and get a big move and then possibly not be very good. Well, I mean, you, you know, you think that by now most teams know all the players who are going there, you know, maybe apart from a few, I don't know, from Algeria or whoever it might be, Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely a lot of players around who, you know, normal fans might not have seen enough or to know who they're going to be and then they get their transfer move afterwards um, you look at people like Kolesnik the left back from uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina mm. um, I think Bosnia probably go through actually and it's the first World Cup but I, I do really like their squad it's very compact and it's been pretty much the same people all the way through and everybody is obviously very behind the nation at the moment um, Switzerland obviously have got a good few uh, Fabian Schaar there coming through he's just about made himself a first choice at centre-back um, whether that changes when the World Cup starts is is another matter. Yeah. And the same with Greece as well. Um, Kostas Manolas is a really good centre-back. Um, he's a young player, but just during the, the qualifiers, obviously Greece have got a fantastic defensive record anyway, all the time. Um, but he came in and he, he really looked the part, to be honest. Carl, uh, so I... I, I'd like. I, sorry to interrupt you, mate, but I'm just. I'm wondering here because uh, Phil's taking my um, Panini sticker album, so I can't. <laughs> actually, I can't actually do my research here live as we speak. But did did, did uh, Papadopoulos make the? No, no. Well, he didn't. No. Okay, okay. Right. Socrates will be the other starter, you would think, but he, yeah. he also picked up a knock. I think. I think he's been named in the squad anyway, but mm, uh, okay. we may have to wait and see if he's he's fit to start. Okay. Cheers, uh, Neil. Finish us out with this in terms of uh, players you think might break through this this tournament or just at least be the star man. Well, I think the probably is it maybe it seemed a little bit obvious to some, but uh, Rice from Borussia Dortmund, hmm. I think has the potential to be one of the best players in the world. He might break through similar to Ozil did in the last major championships. Yeah, or sorry, the last World Cup. Um, although he is playing for one of the leading lights in Europe, I think if he does have a the, comp, the competition, I expect him to be have it. Could be a, there could be a bidding war towards the end of it, and the fee could go anywhere up maybe in, as more because he seems to have all the attributes and maybe a little bit more than Gareth Bale has in my opinion. Hmm. So I can see his fee going sky high. Hmm. So I've, Dortmund certainly aren't going to sell him before the competition if if because he has the potential to be the best player there to, in to, my opinion. To, yeah. Okay. So Marco Royce fee. Uh-huh. Okay, Steve. Um, depending on how France do, with Paul Pogba. Okay. I think Pogba is. He's a, he's a young Yaya Torre. He's that good. Yeah. Um, I've been watching for Juventus this season. The kid has everything. He has everything. He can pass, tackle, score goals from mm-hmm. everywhere. He will, if France hold things together and don't kill each other, um, I think Pablo could be the star of the World Cup. Okay, very interesting. What about yourself, Phil? Um, I know we, we, we've moved past the dark horses I, I, I think Russia are going to do well in this tournament right? and I think because of it I think the likes of Zagoev is, is going to light up a thing if you remember the last Euros the, the, the Russians were the, the, they were very unfortunate in front of the goal they were making acres of chances but they weren't taking any they should have easily gone through and, and, and done more in the actual tournament itself mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just looking at it now saying you know they have a fair decent goalkeeper go back four 
decent midfield and again the, the issues possibly is up front whether Kershikov is going to score enough goals for them or Cochrane is, is going to come in and light up the tournament the group that they're in is, you know, is is eminently qualifiable. They're in with South Korea, Belgium, and Algeria, and you'd imagine themselves and Belgium will come out of it, right? And generally, it's a team that get, you know that has the basics. That's there. I I, th- I think teams with strong defenses in this World Cup are going to do very well because there's so many teams who who are going to open themselves up to quick transitional play and it'll be just someone that's, that's able to withstand the barrage and then break quickly and score and that's why the likes of Belgium with, with Hazard and the other players that they're like Lukaku in terms of the power and the pace and they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world you know you look at the defenders and it, it's strong throughout similarly Switzerland I know Stephen touched on it as well I'm, I'm looking at Granit Xhaka I'm looking at um, you know they've, they've got Barami there there. They've Inler as well. They've a strong midfield. I think this could be the World Cup of midfielders as opposed to centre forwards. Mm. I, I go back to remember the year that um, Cannavaro won the Player of the Tournament, and it was it was it, it was six. It was six, yeah, and and it was like you know it was the first time I think a defender had won Best Player of the Tournament. Mm. I think this could very well be a midfielder because if you look at the way football has developed over the last six seven years, the the all action midfielder has sort of made a comeback. When we look at Henderson in terms of how he plays for us, we've talked about Pogba there. He 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 goes box to box. Sitting, sitting alongside Pirlo when, he, when, he, when he's playing for Juventus um, it's definitely it's, to me it's just you know it, it, I'm looking at a midfielder more so than, than, than a centre forward or a number 10 who's potentially going to light it up and when, for me Pogba's a good shout um, Vidal at Chile, if Chile, if Chile get out of the, the group, I, I know everyone knows Vidal, you know from mm, from Juventus, either, yeah. but he is he's the he, you know he has the skill set to light up this World Cup as well, um, and it's those type of midfielders that I'm looking at that, that could potentially light, be the sort of the, the the newly found superstars as such, um, and that's why looking at I suppose I've said Zagwe at Russia, but that was going more so for the traditional number ten and, and playmaker who who do something there. Excellent. Um, so right. Last part of our pod, as ever, is devoted to the mented world of listeners' questions. So let's get the ball rolling with a query from Paul Bowler. And Paul wonders, uh, Carl, how will England winning the World Cup affect your life? Um, it's going to make me considerably poorer because I've promised people that I'll fly back to England if England do get to the World Cup final. Ah, right. Um Work-wise, I'm hoping that I'd be able to pick up a bit more work than I got at the minute. And other than that, it would make me very, very drunk in the big party afterwards. Well, that's 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 very, very true. James, yourself, how would it affect you? Um, it'd probably mean a lot more retweets for a kind of a rehash of um, the Hodgy Photoshop. With, um, <laughs> I mean, because obviously, the album I've got it on is called Heroes, so it'd be perfect. I mean, I should have got off my arse and got it on Billboard in advance of the tournament anyway, but I didn't, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Hopefully Hodgie's about for the for the next Euro so that I can just do it then and get my act together. I love but the way, yeah, I mean, I love that, the way you're hanging on for that. Really. It'd be a good fun, but I mean, wouldn't really wouldn't change my life. Okay, be, okay. In, on a related topic, Phil Casey, uh, Darren Pritchard asks, uh, and I, I've I've heard some stories about you, and, and, and uh, this this makes me wonder. Uh, if England win the World Cup and they erect a statue of of the Hodge. How long will it be before that statue is destroyed? I'm speaking to a man who's possibly <laughs> attempted some Hodge damage in the past. I, is the statue of Wide Redeemer not still standing that, on the, the White I, Cliffs of Dover? I, isn't I, it? I hope that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a serious question. Do you, do you think? I'd love them to fly that statue and stick it beside Christ <laughs> Redeemer for the World Cup. <laughs> that to me would make the World Cup. <laughs> Jesus and Roy, <laughs> best of buds. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be wonderful. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I think in the same way the car would get a flight home to England, I'd personally get a flight over to England to take the statue down. Just to do it. <laughs> Bring it home with me. Yeah, I, I have to say I'd be motivated very similarly. Steve. Would he get a statue? Um, oh, fucking Christ. They're too right. No, they'd put, me, they'd put me in Buckingham Palace, surely, wouldn't they? And fuck the Queen out. <laughs> Honestly, if they won the World Cup, of course they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd get a little bit of 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 a a broadsheet king, broad sheet king yeah. in a tabloid world. Yeah, yeah. 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 Neil, there's a question in from Flats here, and Flats says you're on a desert island. We always have a desert island question, and you're with Jose Mourinho and Rio Ferdinand. Who do you kill and eat first? Um, it's an interesting question, I suppose. Isn't it? Well, I suppose, right? If you're really to well, Ferdinand t- probably tastes a bit like duck. Think about it deeply. <laughs> I wouldn't eat Ferdinand first because you know the way cows have to be checked for angel dust and possible. <laughs> Drug, drugs putting into the cows for growth enhancement growth enhancement yeah, yeah. so you couldn't eat Rio because he is potentially have taken some of them because he was very close to a drug scandal there not so long ago right. so I definitely wouldn't eat Rio because he probably yeah no def- just wouldn't eat him anyway save him yeah. <laughs> and I would eat Mourinho be- and the reason I would eat him was because he looks a little bit like a dry edge steak <laughs> right <laughs> right you know what I, I mean? see where and you're going kind of darker on the outside but kind of and red on the inside yeah, I'd say nice. he'd be nice yeah. <laughs> right, you see, actually, quite Honestly, looking forward to that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good, good chance that Mourinho will eat himself before you get a chance to. Oh, he is. Yeah, he does yeah. on a regular basis. Uh, Neil, Carl Trotman's wondering, uh, who did you pretend to be as a kid, football or otherwise? Um, I saw, I saw um, Jackie Jackanowski. What he used it? to play up front for Celtic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A long, long time ago. That was your yeah. go-to guy. I don't know why. I just did. Yeah. Maybe it's because I had a Celtic jersey with his name on the back of it. Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That was all I had as well. I had to wear that every day. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pretend to be anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking hell him and Ian Carl uh, if, if they were real oh sorry actually a different one here uh, this is from uh, Proper Prem on Twitter and she wonders if you could run someone's Twitter account for a day who would it be alright oh, I'm going to mess with the whole of Liverpool sides of Twitter I'm going to take over Dave Hendricks Twitter profile and I'm going to agree with everything everybody says <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really, really hope Davis listens to this. He's going to love that one. That's quality, mate. I love Dave. He knows that. <laughs> it's just brilliant. I know. Finally, some admin, then a big shout out to Astro Park as ever for hosting us all year here. If you want to play five or seven side football, get onto them and book your game. Thanks as ever to Johnny Rep. They may be getting World Cup rest, but they will be back. Um, keep your eyes on the site as each of us will be doing a preview of the World Cup groups in our own style including someone who completed his piece then berated everyone else for their tardiness and managed to get one of his own four teams wrong so a little (laughs) self-editing may be required there by Phil Scissors hands we also have a couple of new writers coming on board so expect some good content as ever over the next few days your day trippers tonight were Carl Matchett Neil Gray Stephen Brown James Owens Phil Casey and myself Trev Downey 
Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as slow as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor.